Hi, I'm Dan, and I want to welcome you to Church Online. If it's your first time, please take a minute and fill out a quick guest link on our website after the broadcast. We would love to connect with you, no matter where you're watching from. You can also give online by going to lifechurchutah.com or by texting LCGIVE to 95577 at any time during this morning's service. Once again, thank you for making Life Church Online a part of your weekend. For more information, visit us at lifechurchutah.com. It's great to see all of you here today. I don't know, Sid, you made me a little suspicious about Friday night. I, <clears throat> I think it over to Carrie said, I'm not sure I'm going to that. Um, uh, I don't know what they have up their sleeve, but it's probably no good. After 17 years of oppression from me, he's gonna <clears throat> he's gonna get back at me, I think, or something. I don't know, but uh, anyway, God bless you. That Impact Girls Club. If you have kids that age, get them involved. That thing is powerful. Our two daughters went through Impact Girls Club, and I tell you what, it's it put the Word of God into those girls' lives. It is a great great ministry, and uh, uh, they're having their honor star crowning, which is the highest achievement that the girls have coming up here real shortly in the church. Unfortunately, Carrie and I will be gone by then, but it'll still be a great time of celebration, and if you have grandchildren, granddaughters that age, uh, and for the boys, we have the Royal Rangers Boys Club, which also takes place on Wednesday nights, and again, tremendous teaching for these kids. We invite you to be uh, involved in that. Why don't you get your notes out for today's message? I want to talk with you today about uh, discerning the will of God for your life, the direction of God for your life, His guidance, <clears throat> and and really the principles I'm going to be sharing apply also to the church. And we're going to be looking into the life of Abraham's son, uh, a young man by the name of Isaac. So you've probably heard of God being refer referred in the scriptures as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Abraham was the first one to receive the covenant call and blessing of God upon him. He said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. That didn't, was not fully realized in Abraham. It was passed down then, the promise to his son Isaac was not fully realized in Isaac. It was passed down then to his son, Jacob. It was not fully realized in Jacob. Parts of it were, but not all of it. That's the way of life. Uh, what my predecessors have done in this church in the past, great vision was established, but it was not fully realized in them. Some of it, the, the continuation of the, of the vision was realized through uh, Carrie and me. And now that vision, not fully realized in us, will continue in the person who follows us. That's the way of life. And that's the way God has set up life to work. And sometimes that can be, there are parts of that that can be joyful. There are parts of that that are, are less exciting. But it is nonetheless a part of the process of how God works in humankind. And in this particular case... It's how God is working in the nation of Israel, which was not a nation at the time of Abraham or Isaac or Jacob, but which became a nation under Moses. And then they, 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 uh, they moved into the promise of God through Joshua, 
Moses also had the great vision, but it wasn't fulfilled in Moses. It was fulfilled in his successor, Joshua. That's the process of how God works. And today we're going to go way back into Abraham's son, Isaac, and see how God was directing, giving guidance, and what principles were involved in bringing God's guidance into uh, to fulfill the vision ultimately. So Isaac, if you know the story, was a miracle child of God. He was born to Abraham and Sarah in their old age. And Genesis chapter 15 verse 5 tells us the Lord's promise to Abraham. Um, then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up to the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. I read somewhere, if I remember correctly, and this may not be totally right, so I know all of you that are really into Google will probably Google, see if I'm telling you the right number or not. But I, I heard, if I haven't, this just comes to my mind, 90 million stars or something that we have discovered, but um, there's like, so you can Google it, but don't yell it out in my message. You can tell me afterwards if I'm right on that or not. But at any rate, but, but they're, what they're seeing now is that there's an infinite number beyond that. And so um, what God was saying to Abraham was not uh, an exact number. He was giving a concept or an idea that God was going to bless him beyond what he perceived capable. That's, that's the idea that Abraham was uh, given in this particular scripture. Now, when God made that promise to Abraham... He was about 90 years old and had no children through his wife, Sarah. So the probability of that promise coming to pass probably wasn't very great uh, in the natural, that's for sure. But early on in Abraham's relationship with God, God established a principle, and I think it's a principle that you and I have got to learn for our lives as well. When the Lord promised uh, a child... Of, of for Abraham and for Sarah in their old age, the Bible tells us that they laughed. I think if God made that kind of a promise to Carrie and me, we would cry. <laughs> we would not laugh. We would cry over that, unless it was a boy. Because <laughs> all I have is girls, and, and uh, I, I, would, I would go for it. Would you go for it if it was a boy? No, I didn't think so. <clears throat> Either way. <laughs> At any rate, so we would probably cry. Genesis 17, 17 says, Then Abraham laughed to himself in uh, disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of, of 100? So he's about 100 here at this particular time. And then in chapter 18, verse 12, it says about Sarah, So she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? Now, see, honey. <laughs> pleasure, you know, uh, of having another child. I, you know, in her case, the first child. Especially when my master, my husband, is also so old. So it just seems so unbelievable to these two people of faith. But then the Lord went on to tell them why this miracle would happen. And this is the principle that I want you to get into your heart. It's found in Genesis chapter 18, verse 14. The Lord asked them this question, which is a principle. Is anything too hard for God? 
Whatever you're facing in life, is that beyond God's capability? Is cancer too hard for God? Is heart disease too hard for God? Is, is poverty beyond God's capability of handling? Absolutely not. Nothing is the point here is nothing is too hard for God. In fact, that's the same word that came to Mary who would become the mother of Jesus when the angel came to her and told her, you are going to become the mother of the Messiah, the mother of Jesus, the long-awaited one. What was her response? Oh, yippee? No. She said, how could this be? I'm not married. I'm a virgin. I, th there's no way in, in, in uh, the natural that this can take place. But the angel said to her in Luke chapter 1, verse 47, listen, nothing is impossible with God. And, you've, that, and, and it's your belief in that which will release that into your life. The same word that God gave to Mary, the same word that God gave to Abraham and Sarah is the same word that God is saying to you and me, and we've got to get this truth deep within our hearts. Nothing is too hard. Nothing is impossible with our God. Now, let's face it, we tend to look at things on the basis of what we perceive with our physical senses. We all do this. We've been born into this world. Our five physical senses help us to relate to this world. And therefore, we see things through natural eyes, not spiritual eyes. That's, that's the natural thing for people to do. But what God is doing in your life is greater than a natural thing. He's doing a supernatural thing thing in your life and he wants you to begin to see with supernatural eyes listen you can be saved and serve Jesus with natural eyes you can live your whole life without ever seeing God work a miracle other than salvation in your life because you 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 never grow beyond the natural you have to be willing to grow beyond the natural and start allowing God to give you eyes that are going to see things that are not apparent, apparent, I should say, in the natural realm. So that's what God wants to do. What can happen if God is in it? What could take place? In fact, I love how the Amplified enhances this particular verse in Luke 137. It says, For with God nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. I love that last part there, and I underlined it. No word of God will be without power or impossible of fulfillment. So the key is to find out what God is saying to you. Here is the truth. If God promised it, it will be fulfilled. That was true for Mary. That was true for Abraham and Sarah. Because a year after the angel came and told Abraham and Sarah that this was going to happen, she became the mother of a bouncing baby boy at about the age of 90. At about the age of 90. God was the God of the impossible for a virgin girl. God was the God of the impossible for a, a worn-out old woman. And he's the God of the impossible for you. 
He is the God of the impossible. But it's one thing to hear a promise. It's quite another to possess it. The promises of God are like seed. They must be watered. They must be cared for to be brought to completion. Just like a seed planted in the ground has to be watered and cared for to grow, so the seeds of God's promises must be given the right conditions to come up and to produce fruit. For Isaac, one of those conditions was that he had to have the right wife. For him to fulfill God's promise through Abraham, his spouse was exceedingly important. The right wife had to be chosen for him, and so Abraham sent one of his servants back to the old stomping ground, the homeland, where they came from, back to Ur of the Chaldees, that's up, up in the nation of Iraq today, back to that area to find a wife from, his, from the family that Abraham came from. And from that particular journey and what happened in all of that, I see some very practical principles for our lives today, for our church, when we need guidance from the Lord. All right? So the first one, let me give it to you. The Lord guides those who seek his help. If you have a, a que Sarah sera kind of an attitude about how God is going to move in your life or what he's going to fulfill in your life, you will never experience the guidance of God within your life. The Lord guides those who are seeking his will for their life. Abraham's servant sought God's help. He had been sent to find a wife for Isaac, but he had no idea who this woman would be. All he knew is that she had to be more than, than just outwardly beautiful. She had to have a certain quality of her heart, and if, if she and Isaac were to fulfill the promise that God had established through Abraham, this woman was critically important to Isaac's life, to that fulfillment. Now, I knew that I needed a wife who would have that same kind of heart if Carrie and I were to fulfill God's will, or if I, at that point, I didn't know who she was. If, if I were to fulfill God's call upon my life, when I, when I received the call of God to become a full-time pastor and minister at the age of 16, I had no idea who Carrie was. I had never met her. But it was critical that I find the right person who would help me fulfill God's vision that he had placed in my heart. And I found that heart. I found that spirit. I found that vision in Carrie. And I will tell you that today we are celebrating 46 years of marriage together and working for God. That's what Life Church has got to have in your new pastor. More than talent, more than anything else, he must possess a heart for God and a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit if this church is going to fulfill its God-given vision. You've, it's critical. And that's what Abraham's servant needed uh, for Isaac. She had to be a person with a special heart if they were to fulfill the promises of God that had been planted in Abraham's heart. So the servant prayed, and this is what he prayed in uh, Genesis 12, 24, 12. 
O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please give me success today and show unfailing love to my master Abraham. And then he went on out and he he made the request. He asked God that uh, when he entered the village that a young woman might offer him a drink of water from the well and that she would also offer to water his ten camels. Now I'm going to tell you, camels drink a lot of water. And they don't have that big hump for nothing. Just like I don't have this big hump for nothing, I eat a lot of food. And uh, camels have a big hump. And the reason for that is because they drink a lot of water. So, so actually, the logistics of, of watering 10 thirsty camels was huge. And so would a person naturally just say, oh, let me water your camel here. Here's a cup. Here's a glass. You know, No, a person wouldn't naturally do that. So this was an impossible request. Lord, let me meet somebody who will give me a drink. That's not a big deal. But water the ten camels too. That was a huge deal. That would be the sign that this is the woman for Isaac. And that's exactly what happened. The Bible says in Genesis 24 verse 15, Before he had finished praying, Rebekah came out to draw water. And events happened exactly as he had prayed they would happen. And this is what I want you to understand. The Lord will guide you when you seek his help. Psalm 37 verse 23 says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. God wants the details of your life to go right. Sometimes we get this idea that God is just concerned with the big issues. He wants the details of your life to conform to his word and to conform to his direction and guidance because he knows that every big thing is the result of a thousand little things. Every big thing that happens in your life is the result of a thousand little things. And so the details have got to be right for the big things to be the blessing. I love the last part of that verse. He delights in every detail of our lives. So God cares about who you marry. God cares about your home life. He cares what it's like. He cares what's going on in your home. He cares where you go to school. He cares about the the career choice that you make, where you work. And he wants you to succeed in every detail of your life but you've got to bring him into the details. You've got to ask his help in the details of your life. If you keep him removed from your Monday morning routine, he will stay at a distance. You've got to say, God, I need you in every detail of my life. God, I'm getting ready to drive down Interstate 15. I need your help in the detail of driving down this crazy highway. You understand what I'm saying? You've got to get God into your school. You've got to get God into your workplace. You've got to get God into your neighborhood, into every part of your life. And when you do that, he will begin to guide and direct you. Now, let me give you some insight into how to determine the will of God for your life. Because not everything you feel is the, word of, is the will of God. So number one, God reveals his will through his word. Through his word, every time people have missed God, it's because they have failed right here. 
They haven't followed the principles of the Word of God. doesn't matter what you're sensing in your life. If it doesn't line up to the Word of God, you go by the Word of God, not by what you're sensing, not by what you're feeling. In fact, every deceptive teaching that's out there, spiritual teaching, every deceptive spiritual teaching, hear me, every deceptive spiritual teaching has its roots right here. It distorts, it ignores, or it adds to the Word of God, the Bible. If any spiritual teaching is adding to the Bible, reject it. It's not of God. If any spiritual teaching you hear is distorting somehow the Word of God, you reject it. It's not God's will. That's how critical this is. This one principle is the most important part of discerning the will of God and the guidance of the Spirit. God never leads you to do something, never leads you into a new revelation that is contrary to His written Word, the Bible. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow these deceptive teachings or stand around with those who follow them. I'm kind of modifying this a little bit. Or join in with all of that. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. In other words, they bring it into every part of their life. And they are, because they do that, they're like trees planted along a riverbank. Man, they are solid. They are nourished and they are solid and they bear fruit. Their lives bear fruit. And people look at them and say, man, I want to be like them. Because they're bearing fruit and their leaves don't wither and they prosper in everything they do. How many of you up for that? The rest of you aren't, huh? How many of you are up for that? All right, number two. God reveals his will through godly counsel. God will put godly people in your life who can be trusted to give you sound advice. So you need to identify those, uh, who, the, who those people are. They need to be mature believers who have good wisdom. Not every believer is a mature believer. So be careful who you allow to counsel you. Because some believers have the root of bitterness going all through them, and they find fault with everything. Those are not the people to find guidance from. You find guidance from good, mature people. God will use them to help you. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, with good counselors, there is safety. Number three, God reveals his will through biblical teaching and preaching. God can and does speak through preaching and teaching of his word. I remember a number of years ago, I walked up the aisle over here, and, I, and a lady met me right over here uh, by the end of the aisle there, and she said, service was just starting, and, and she said, Pastor, I need to meet with you. I've got some heavy issues I need to talk with you about, and I said, I'll be happy to meet with you. And I said, just call the church office, and, and the secretary will set up a time when you can come, and the two of us can get together. And so it was set. We were going That's what she was going to do. We were going to meet together, and I preached that morning. She came up to me after the service was over, and she said, I don't need to meet with you after all. Every single question I had, you answered in the message this morning. And so I don't need to come and meet with you. So, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 says, God 
was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. And that's true of salvation, but it's also true of guidance. And in teaching, God gives great guidance to his people. Number four, God reveals his will through the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit promptings. Spirit-filled people should expect the Holy Spirit to prompt them at specific times about specific situations. Paul told the Galatian believers in chapter 5, verse 16, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. So when it comes to the selection of a new pastor for you as a church, you are going to need the promptings of the Holy Spirit to help you discern who that person should be. You won't find his name written in your Bible. Well, I mean, it's possible if his name's David, it's in there. Um, you know, or Matthew, or Mark, or Luke, or John. It's in, it's in the Bible, but you know what I'm saying. You're, you're not going to find a verse that says, uh, this guy, first name and last name, is to be your next pastor. You will need the Spirit to help you move past those emotions that you may have about it, and even your preferences to discern that the Spirit is saying, this is the person God has chosen to lead this church. And that's the person that you need. And then number five, God reveals his will through dreams and visions. Job 33 says God speaks again and again through people, though people rather, do not recognize it. He speaks in dreams and visions of the night when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their beds. He whispers in their ears. So let me just review these five principles with you. Or instead of me review, you review them. But keep in mind that all revelation, whatever you hear in the night, dream in the night, it could be the pizza you had. So it may not be the will of God. But I'm just saying, everything that you feel you have received must be in agreement with the word of God. That's the foundation. Otherwise, it gets real screwy real fast. And it destroys lives. So... Let me just, at this point, just give you, under this, under this particular point, give you one last word of advice. Um, if, if things seem cloudy, if it seems unclear about what you're, you're like you're, you're supposed to make, a, you're needing to make a decision with your life. Maybe it's something with your job or a career choice, your education or what, whatever that might, even a, even a spouse, potential spouse, anything like that. Buying of a home, the buying of a car, um, you know, if things seem, you've prayed about it and it seems cloudy, my advice to you is wait. You, you wait until it's not cloudy anymore. If you make a decision during a cloudy time on an emotional preference, the chances you're going to make the wrong one are huge. And I'm just... A word to the wise is sufficient. Folks, I'm just telling you, I've blown it on the basis of that before, and I don't want that to happen to you. So if you're feeling uh, a little cloudy about it or uncertain about something, you wait for clarity. If you make a major decision without that clarity, it can go south on you, so, so wait. All right, the second principle I want to give out of Isaac's experience here is where God guides, he provides. And one of the great indicators of God's guidance is his divine provision. God was guiding Isaac's life, and he provided a wife for him. 
Now, you may not have the ability, you may not have the finance right now to do what you believe God wants you to do with your life. But if you will follow the leading of the Spirit, God will provide everything you need. I am doing all kinds of things that I did not believe I could do 40 years ago. God will guide and provide for his guidance. And sometimes you'll step into something and say, God, I, don't, I can't do this. But God will provide the ability to do it and, and the finance to do it if it involves money or whatever. But God will give that to you. He'll either give it to you or he'll give it to you uh, personally or he'll give it to you through others. Others will come along and bless you that way. He'll bring the right people into your life. Now, when Israel left Egypt, they had been slaves. They had no possessions, nothing. And so they're just the clothes on their back, which were tattered and worn out. So they're, they're heading on out of Egypt. But the Bible says that Israel plundered Egypt. Well, now, usually when you plunder, it's because you have the heavy hand. You've got the sword, you know, and you can go and you're stronger than the victim and you can plunder or take what they have. That's not the case. The Egyptian army was top rung of the ladder. Israel was nothing, but Israel plundered Egypt. Why is that? Because Exodus 12, 36, the Lord made the Egyptians friendly toward the people of Israel and they gave them whatever they asked for. Can you believe that? You, you know, it was God's will for them to leave. So in order to, pro to give the provisions, just ask your, your slave owners and they'll give you, hey, I'd, I'd like that gold bowl over there. Yeah, and, 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 and I, I'd like your savings account, please. How about your credit cards? Give me all your credit cards. Oh, yeah, here they are. Boop, 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 boop. You know, I'm going to give you everything that you need in order to make this successful. And so... Uh, that's how Israel plundered Egypt. And that takes place because you're in the, the will of God and he's bringing provision. Israel was in God's will. Provision followed and the same will happen as, to you as you follow God's plan for your life. But listen, a lack of provision can also be a sign that what you're wanting to do is not God's will. Now, a lack of provision initially is not necessarily a, an indicator that it's not God's will. You may need to pray and fast it in. But if, if after a period of time you've prayed and fasted over this thing and it hasn't turned around, it could be an indication that God is not in that because where God guides, he will provide. The third thing I want to share is this. God's provision is abundant. Scarcity is of the devil. Abundance is of God. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief, he's talking about Satan here, does not come except to steal, to kill, to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you may have it more abundantly, to abundance. For Isaac, God provided a wife, but not just any wife. Genesis 24, 16 takes the time to tell us about her. It says, she was stunningly beautiful. And the Hebrew word translated beautiful here means good and bountiful and fine and best. 
and precious and pleasurable. That's the wife God gave to Isaac. In other words, she was a 10. That's God's nature. The Lord always provides with abundance. Ephesians 3.20. Now glory be to God who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than he would ever, we would ever dare to ask or even dream of. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, and hopes. That's the way God works in our lives. And when he does, we give glory to him. Amen? Because he's doing this for us. So don't be ashamed when God blesses you. Accept it and thank him for it. But this is important. God doesn't give to you in order that you can hoard. He gives to you so that you can give away. You are just a, and if you start hoarding, the supply to you will start drying up. You've got, you've got to, you've got to just start giving it away. You've got to start giving it away. You've got to start releasing it back, because that is the that is the, the will of God. It's not to you; it's through you. All right, and when you are that way, God will bless you. You've got to get the poverty spirit out of your heart. You're never more like God than when you bless other people because God is a great giver. And you've got to get the poverty spirit because poverty, a poverty mentality will keep you from giving. It'll say, oh, I have nothing to give. That's the first thing it tells you is I can't do it. I have nothing to give. When it's a lie, you have all kinds of things to give of your life. And if you'll give the little things, say, well, it's just a little. Do the little and see what God does with it. See how God begins to multiply. This is good preaching, whether you're reacting or not. This is good preaching, let me tell you. I only got one more Sunday, so I'm just going to lay it out there, all right? You know what? When the Lord took Israel out of Egypt, he took them from a land of not enough. They were in poverty. They were in rags. They had barely enough to eat. They, it, was, it was terrible, and many of the people died in that environment. But he said, I'm taking you out of Egypt. But he didn't take them directly into the promised land. He took them then to the wilderness journey where they had to learn the principles of heaven. And the wilderness was the land of just enough. It wasn't the poverty of Egypt, but it wasn't abundance either. They were on their way to it. But the day came that he took them out of the wilderness and they crossed the Jordan and they went into the promised land. And it was a land of more than enough. Hallelujah. And that's where God's taking his people. He wants you to be blessed. And I'm claiming that for my life as well. That's just what Jesus wants to do in your life. The reason that like I said, next week's my last Sunday. The reason some of you struggle with tithing and you don't do it. Now, I don't know who you are because I don't look at the giving records. But I know that many of you don't have faith for this. And you're not doing it. But the reason that you struggle with tithing is because you fundamentally do not believe the Lord can do more with the 90% that he gives you to live off of than you can with the 100%. What I'm telling you, it's the opposite. God can do more with the 90% that you're left with if you will in worship and praise give him that 10% and acknowledge him as owner of your life. Give him the first fruits of your life. Now listen, 
And if you, or if, you are, if you say to me, well, I do tithe, but things are still not good, there, it's because in your heart you, you're still a poverty thinker. Tithing alone as a, a legalistic act will not bring God's blessings. It's when you tithe and you add to the tithe faith. That's when the blessings start coming and you get that poverty stuff out of your life. So, so you, you, you've got to let God heal that poverty spirit within you by confessing it before him and then giving generously and sacrificially and believing that he's the God of more than enough for your life. That's what will open the windows of heaven in your life. So the progress of finding a wife for Isaac is a great lesson in us finding the leading of God in our lives and for our church. And these are those victory principles. Jesus will guide you when you seek him. Secondly, Jesus will provide for you when you walk in his will. And thirdly, provision, his provision will be abundant. More than enough. Hallelujah. How many of you received that today? Amen. Praise God. I want to pray a blessing over you today in the last minute that I have. So let's stand together. And um, some of you are struggling with the, uh, the lack. You're, you're struggling with making decisions right now for your life. You're, you're struggling with the lack of provision in your life. And, and you're thinking everybody else is blessed but you. God loves other people more than he loves you, and that's absolutely a lie. God will do in you everything he wants to do in everyone else. He'll bring healing to your sick bodies, your diseased bodies. He will bring guidance to the steps and decisions you need to make. He'll bring provision into your life. He will do it all, but you've got to turn it over to him. I love the song that Mike is singing that we sang this morning. It says, marching around these walls, man, I thought by now they would have fallen. Reminds me of uh, the story of the Israelites going around Jericho, do you remember? And so they go once around for six, the walls for six days and they don't say a word the whole time they're going around, strict silence. And they're probably scratching their heads saying, what is this about? Well, God told us to do it, okay. So day number six, you know, is this really going to do anything? But then day number seven comes. But God now says, I don't want you to march around once. You've got to march around seven times this time. And I don't know how big Jericho was all the way around, but I'll guarantee you it was several miles. And so it took a while to go all the way around. But when they hit the seventh time, they gave a shout of victory. And the walls came down. And what that song says, marching around these walls, God, I thought by now they would have fallen. You know, and, and some of us were on lap number six and we're ready to give up. Don't give up on lap number six. Lap number seven is going to give you a victory that you have never known in your life before. He's going to pour it into your life. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. 
For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.